if anything were to happen, like that giant super volcano to, were to erupt anytime soon, I just want you guys to know that I love you so much and I value this time. I love I you. I feel guys the too. same. Love you. And both. I hope I hope I'm not taking a shit or at work when that happens. Well, we'll all be dead <laughs> if that happens. So. I know. <laughs> Every one of us. <laughs> I th- I hope that I am cuddled up with my loved one, and that's that's all I gotta say about that. Well, if the cats start bolting, you know something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to Under the uh, Super Volcano podcast. <laughs> oh, I didn't see you there. Hello. <laughs> All gloom and doom, baby. That's right. Well, welcome to Under the Pendulum. I'm Chris Weber. And who else could it be with me but Heather Weber? Hello. And coming in from Los Angeles, and boy, are her headphones tired. Oh, oh I read just, that. That was so uh, bad. I read that in the outline. I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. Fucking kill myself right now. It's Caitlin Weber. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Boy, my arm hair is tired. <laughs> we should put in a badumpch right there. Ooh, rim shot, rim shot. Oh, I'll be able to find one, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I. Can you? Jeez, Hell I don't yeah. want to have that permanently. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just want to have that on my phone for any time, you know? Like, uh, you can make, yeah. if, if you had that, you could make a bad joke at any point and just bring that out, and it, like, kind of, like, saves it, you know? Until you do it too much, yes. and then it's all over. Yeah, right, yeah. And then yeah, they just are like, get this guy out of here. Don't invite him to the Christmas party. That's the rim shot guy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, it's a rim shot, Bill. <laughs> I also am, am, am like wanting to make my own um, notification sound soon. And it's uh, that part in, in uh, Black Number One by Typo Negative where he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I need that like every that day. That won't get old. <laughs> oh, that'd no. be great. <laughs> it's, uh, just, just a reminder that's nine minutes into the song, everybody. About 8.57. Oh, okay, sweet. <laughs> Book, bookmark that oh Good yeah time. so um in this episode we'll be talking about something that all three of us have had uh, personal experiences with and i imagine many of our listeners out there have also had their own experiences as well and we are of course talking about the phenomenon of sleep paralysis and explosive diarrhea <laughs> <laughs> not mutually exclusive <laughs> we know we know you're not alone yeah so i guess we'll just kind of jump in here um yeah so sleep paralysis is the phenomenon or i guess sometimes the sensation of believing that one has awakened from sleep and is unable to move or speak Uh, the person is in a sense trapped between sleep and being awake and the experience is often made more terrifying by sensations of unease terror trouble breathing a pressure on the chest and most commonly, auditory and visual hallucinations. It's fucking rough, y'all. Yeah, it's, yeah. it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that'll be the umbrella theme is how much it fucking sucks. Yeah. You know, like anybody who's <laughs> yeah. experienced it knows how, how horrible it can be. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and, you know, many consider it uh, a medical phenomenon that is kind of yet to be fully understood. But what makes the experiences of sleep paralysis so unique from other medical or psychological phenomenon are the kind of the shared experiences that span across the world and across cultures. Many of those who experience it and maybe many of you out there often attribute cultural or religious beliefs into their understanding of the phenomenon. Things like alien encounters and uh, visits from demons or some other malevolent entity, um, sometimes ghosts of all kinds. 
manifestations of one's fears or some some kind of indistinguishable entity. You know, they've all been kind of conjured up to explain what sleep paralysis is. For example, uh, those who have suffered from sleep paralysis in the Christian world might attribute demons or the devil to their experiences and sometimes say that when they evoke the name of uh, Jesus, the uh, episode just stops and kind of becomes less intense. Right. Well, that's also, I would say, like somebody talking to themselves and talking themselves through it by bringing up something that's like, you know, known to some, them. And, something, comfor- something comforting. Right. Like right. almost yeah. like some kind of meditation. Because it is satanic and demonic as fuck sometimes. So scary. So evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's Ugh. like a kind of a, that's kind of like a Western thing. Because like in, you know, let's say Egypt, many in the general population would believe that it's actually a visit, uh, a visit from a jinn. Just like a genie. Yeah, like, and we, you know, it's sort of that mythical spirit-like entity that's rooted in Islamic tradition and belief. So, you know, it's like, depending on your culture, you interpret it as something different. You know, something that you, that you can, like, attach your belief system to. Yep. That's so funny, because I'll I'll talk about it later, but I have a reoccurring character in my sleep paralysis, and he's just a fat, sweaty piece of shit. I hope he's not a genie. (laughs) Fat phobic. (laughs) oh yeah you gotta rub my lamp uh, i wonder if it has anything to do with like 13 ghosts maybe you know like that one was there a fat piece of shit in that one too yeah i don't remember him it was a dude with like a wife beater on and some holes in it and shit and he wore like whitey tidies if i think i'm thinking of the right movie i was i thought that that was seven yeah i was thinking it was seven too okay probably i just saw seven that's a remarkable, fat, scary piece of shit. Yeah. That's like an albino turd. It was gluttony. <laughs> I just saw Seven for the first time like two months ago. Really? For the first time? I, know. I like it. I know. Oh, my God. I think it's great. It's I, I don't know good. if no, that ship has sailed with it being interesting because of the time of it. Like, I mean, I guess we outdated. have to give the obligatory, what's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> what's in the box? Uh. Yeah, so, I mean, different interpretations, you know, they're they're based on culture. But often we find the same kind of figures and tropes, uh, which, you know, like is very eerie, kind of shared through different cultures. Right. So, you know, you have like the hat man, you have a cloaked man, shadow people, giant cats that sit on your chest, um, alien-like figures. We have the old hag, which is a super old literary, um, you know, Mm -hmm, trope. mm -hmm. Um, Demons. Yeah, I mean, all of these have been seen or felt by those who suffer from an episode of sleep paralysis and like across cultures and geography, which is the the really interesting thing about sleep paralysis. Yeah, for sure. That's so crazy. I feel like I have a story from either myself or friends for almost each and every one of those. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, as as we'll kind of find out, it's actually a small percentage of the population that actually experiences sleep paralysis. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. get into that a little later, but I was gonna say it must run in our family because our mother has it as well, you know. And so do our cousins. Some of our cousins yeah. do too. Oh, yeah. on really? the other side. Yep. Oh, does Dad have it? Not that I know. I of. yeah, I'm not sure. He's never really said if he had a. Experience He's just or not. a happy guy. Even if he did, he'd be like neat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, that was just scary. I know that he said he's had experiences where he was like sleeping and was like whimpering and stuff like that. Like, yeah. Pretty, yeah. So I think maybe he might have had like a mild sleep paralysis, like, maybe. Experience, you know? Yeah. yeah. 
But, you know, other ex- other explanations get into the metaphysical. You know, we could talk about, like, alternate realities, other dimensions and states of consciousness. Um, and, of course, you know, like, kind of realms of malevolent spirits that are kind of able to break through into the realm of the living. You know, and then we start getting into conversations about, like, hey, so what's the afterlife? What's, you know, like, what is the nature of the spirit and things like that? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's quite a large swath of, of explanations and, like, theories that you can attach to sleep paralysis. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So in this episode, we will talk about the different experiences and we'll share some of our stories. Uh, we will then follow up with some cursory explanations from the scientific and medical side of the debate. And I feel like we have to preface with the caveat that there is very little hard science on what sleep paralysis really is. And we, you know, we still know very little of like what the human mind and the nature of things like nightmares are. Right. You know, so the jury's still out. On those on those kind of things so it'll be kind of cursory in that in that respect fascinating mm-hmm. yeah. so with that said uh let's get into the fascinating and terrifying world of sleep paralysis <laughs> i hope you're dead asleep in fact that yeah. you're having sleep paralysis right now <laughs> right that's your second. grandma with chainsaw hands coming at you that'd be kind Fondling of fun. your balls <laughs> like whoa grandma I didn't know you were so badass. Well, you're not keeping them clean. Are you making pesto because you're dicing up my nuts? Oh, Oh, man. Uh, So I think we were going to start with, like, maybe some uh, accounts that we've had, you know, just kind of set the stage. Yeah. So I'll start with mine. Oh, shit, everybody. I hope your diapers (laughs) are on. Hers are scary. (laughs) And I'm just going to go with the the very first one that I believe is... I can't really think of anything else it was. (laughs) It's my favorite Heather story. It's so fucking scary. I tell strangers about it all the time. Woo, your trauma. Woo. (laughs) You fucked up. (laughs) Um, So one of my first memories is of when I met the Sandman. Mm. I was maybe four years old at the time. I was suddenly awoken by the feeling that someone was in the bed next to me. I turned my head and saw a small head on the pillow next to me with wiry white patches of hair. (laughs) (laughs) He must have known that I was looking at him because suddenly his head snapped to face me. He whispered, Hi. I was now staring into a pair of humongous, bulging eyes. They were yellow with red pupils and swelled from blackened sockets. He had a look of eternal surprise due to the absence of eyelids and lips. Huge white teeth smiled at me, and it was very clear that his skin was either rotting or burned, his face a skull wrapped in a thin layer of melting skin. I was paralyzed in horror, unable to move, scream, or run away. Then somehow I broke free of my fear and ran out into the kitchen where my dad was eating a sandwich. I never forgot his face. And so, like, I did some drawings of him over the years. I mean, I remember this so fucking clearly so scary frightening as hell and that was just one of many many i've had but that was certainly the one that affected me the most i was very small and i mean i don't know what i was watching maybe the ghoulies or something i mean who knows like why i saw something like that 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 (laughs) character that you always described reminded me of illustrations from scary stories and stuff like that yeah it could be just that exposed corpsey fucking leathery teeth thing like yeah it was horrible (laughs) 
and there's that nothing you can scary. do. And, you know, what's interesting is like we, we think about, you know, normal dreams, um, you know, a lot of times are really hard to remember later on. Like you, it's hard to remember very vividly a, a regular dream. But when we talk about like sleep paralysis experiences, sometimes they're very, very vivid. And like you remember them. A lot of people remember their very first sleep paralysis experience like yeah. for the rest of their life and remember it, you know, very vividly. So it's like yeah. kind of the interesting difference between sleep paralysis experience and like a normal dream. Definitely. And I can't stress this to listeners enough. It's this so you you have these vivid waking dreams and you have this chemical that's running through your body to basically keep you from popping up during your sleep and like walking around and acting out your dreams. So yeah, we'll, we'll when talk it, about when that. It's, yeah. And so it's just that literal feeling of being like weighed down and something is on top of you. Hence like nightmare, like a mare is on top of you. It's fucking crazy feeling. And it's just, it's terror. It's absolutely awful that you cannot move and can't do anything about it. Yeah. One theme that we'll see, I think, across the board is like the, it's this, it's this idea of intrusion, you know, which we'll, yeah. I'll, I'll kind of a, like elaborate a little more on. You'll notice that is always the main like theme that runs through all this stuff. It's just that idea of intruding, something intruding on like your safety, your space, you know, like totally. your in, into your mind. Ugh. Um, so it's yeah, it's like it's a very prominent part of sleep paralysis. Um, it, and I know, mean, in my opinion, and I think, too, I think a really important aspect about that, like why people wonder if it's something that's supernatural, because it's something that's so outside of anything you would have ever thought of. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, where the fuck did that come from? I would yeah. never address myself like that in my mind. Like, what is this? Right. Mm-hmm. So strange. So yeah. it's fascinating like that. It is. Uh, do you want to do you want to share yours, Kate, next or? Sure. I mean, I've got a couple, but um, like pick pick was... pick one that like maybe your first one or one that kind of stands out. I think would be good. I don't remember my first one. I think it, I was so young that I can't. I remember the face of the thing, but I don't remember the situation. Um, I mean, wh- whichever one you remember. Oh, the... totally. Yeah. So I remember I was um I was seeing this person and uh he was ex-military and I was sleeping next to him and one night I had this dream where it was I was in a shower and there was no way like there was no opening to the shower it's like I was in a boxed-in tile white room and it was very small and the water was running and I was just kind of sitting in there and I really didn't think or care or feel anything I was just content and in there and then all of a sudden the water started turning to blood and all of a sudden there was an opening behind me and then I hear something tear the curtain open and grab my face all of a sudden I was like in my room and it was like waking and it was real and it was just had my face and it was whispering nonsense in my ear like I couldn't understand the language it was speaking but I knew what it was saying was stay away from this person like this person is evil like you know this person's mine like this entity this thing was just like I have control over this person you get the fuck out of here kind of thing and like in my and like the person woke me up because I was like (laughs) Like breathing like that, yeah, like and hyperventilating, like 
happens every time, but yeah, yeah. And then I woke up from that, but I just will never forget that tear open the curtain and grab my face. Like, huh? Yeah. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely knew I was like, it didn't feel like a dreaming. It was, it was very strange. Right. Yeah. I mean like, you know, sometimes you think sleep paralysis is like where you, you feel like you're awake, but you know, a lot of people say that they um, are like kind of transported. Like, so they'll be in a place and then sometimes they'll say it's like being thrown back into your body, like where you're mm-hmm. sleeping. And that's then exactly you, that's kind of like, where yeah. like this sort of conscious awareness happens, like while you're while you're dreaming. Uh, well, that's well, we'll get into this more, but that's kind of like one theory. Totally. And I mean, I'll, I will add one thing too. like as time progresses, like as we tell more stories, like never again do I have sleep paralysis and I'm in a different place. It's always in my bedroom from like here on out like standing there yeah that's the scarier part too did you feel like any pain when it was um like holding on to your face i think so but it was so long ago and now i can't it was like maybe like maybe like a sensation i guess it was just like like, it was one of those things where the terror like overrode any other feeling you know like the fear yeah yeah Yeah, because some people say they actually feel pain um like physical pain like in certain, certain, some certain experience. I think those are kind of rare. Yeah, like people who really suffer, you know, badly from it, they'll they'll sometimes say they feel like actual pain. Well, and like Casey had an incident where he at Ken's house had something sucking orange liquid out of his stomach. And oh, we mentioned this on the uh, first episode. I oh, think. okay, totally. Still one of the scariest stories I've ever even fucking heard of. But <laughs> I think he spoke of having a sensation, like feeling something exiting his body in that instant. Yeah, and that well, that sounds like a variation of like the the black cat or black kind of creature mm-hmm. that sits on your chest, which which you know what Heather will kind of get into mm-hmm. is kind of like what most most folklore is is about you know like going back is this idea of like something pressing down on your chest yeah heather will elaborate a little more on that so um yeah i guess i can't remember which one i should share i've only had two experiences um yeah so the very first one was um at dad's house in palm harbor florida Mm -hmm. um so it was you know it was in the the big one um, yeah. So at the time I was I was I had just moved back in uh, when I was like started going to college uh, the first time. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> you know, I was I was dating Gabby at the time. Mm-hmm. So she was staying over. We were sleeping in my room. I remember I was I knew I was in my I knew I was in bed with yeah. Gabby next to me. Like I, I like that. That kind of conscious awareness had kind of come like I knew I was there. And I knew I was sleeping like I knew the, my orientation of my body. You know, I, I kind of knew all the things around me. But then I was somehow kind of like pulled to the the top of the stairs um, like that, that, that kind of landing, the second landing that was because it was like a, you know, it like went up landing and then went up to the upstairs. Right. Yeah, I remember. So I was sitting there and I remember looking down at uh, the entrance of dad's room and then the doors, dad had those devil doors and they flew open. There was like, it's so hard to explain. So it's like, a, it was a demon, but it wasn't like a humanoid demon. It was more like a, like a creature, like, uh, I don't know. Like pumpkin like head or some I shit? <laughs> no, no. It was like oh, cat-like almost. Like oh. that's just, Dude. It, it was like, it was undefined. <clears throat> that you know, house like I couldn't so really weird. make out what it was, but Ugh. it could be. Yeah, it was a big, it was a big house, but um, yeah, so, but. 
Yeah, so I knew that. And so it just came out and it just was pointing at me, just just pointing at me and not moving and just like that. And I, I can't remember if there were red eyes. I, I kind of feel like there were. All this is going on, but I know I'm in my bed. Yeah. And I know Gabby's next to me and I can't move. I know I need to wake myself up. I cannot move. I'm like, I'm trying. Still like down on the flight. It's like weird because you're in two places at once. You know what I mean? Like you're on the stairs looking at the demon, but you also are in your bed and you know Mm -hmm. that you're in these two places. I'm trying to wake up. I can't, can't move. So I'm like trying to call out and I can't call out. And so I know I need Gabby to wake me up. I have to have Gabby yeah. wake me up. So kind of like you did, Kate, I started like start breathing really, really heavy, really rapidly. Yeah, um, that's all you can do. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> I'm hoping that this will get her to wake me up. And yeah. yeah, and it does. She wakes up and wakes me up. And it's just like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Actually, and then kind of a, yeah, kind of a similar one just happened like a couple weeks ago. I was like in the bed with with M. And um, I can't remember what it was. I knew the same thing. I knew I was in bed with him and blah, blah, blah. But then, like, I was in some other place and, like, these, like, hands, like, skeleton, like, dead hands reached up from the floor, the cracks in the floorboards of where I was. And Fuck that, Christopher. Pulling out my legs. No. <laughs> like, they were pulling out my, you know, my legs and, like, my body and no. stuff. Yeah. And, but, but again, it was, I knew I was in my bed. I couldn't move. Yep. I couldn't speak out. And yeah. so I did the same thing. And M woke, luckily woke up and, and woke me up. But uh, those are my two experiences with sleep paralysis. I was going to say in that Palm Harbor house, there was just like, I heard my name said a couple times. And one time, I think that there was some kind of like cr- creepy male presence in that house. And also, I was a, a young girl going through puberty there. So, you know, that's another thing, too, with, Could like, be. hauntings and things like that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was coming in from sneaking out, and I had had a sleep paralysis with some fucking weird humanoid creature standing at the in my doorway, like a man. Yeah. And a couple months or weeks later, I can't remember, it was so long ago, but I was coming in from sneaking out, and I heard a man's voice go, what are you doing? And like, dad, I could hear dad snoring, so there was there was no way it was dad. And I just was like, "Okay, calling up my boyfriend, gonna go back out now. I don't care if I get in trouble. Bye." <laughs> like it was, it was super scary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and you bring up a, an interesting thing. It's like you know, you talk about like presence, uh, a presence in a house or like somewhere. You know, like you, you're saying, like there's something in there, and so that's like, you know, your your belief in that is kind of informing right. like what sleep paralysis might be you know what i mean it's like the idea of like i believe that like places or things have like maybe human imprint or presence uh with them that might affect us right you know yeah on some sort of like psychic level yeah and it maybe it was dad's like fucking angry energy from us being such bad kids <laughs> like such manifesting little bastards. some kind yeah. of creature yeah <laughs> Well, you know, there is something to that because at some point down the line, I would talked to you about this, Chris. I did want to discuss, you know, shadow people and like doppelganger. Yeah, yeah. Doppelgangers. Like, yeah. Entities. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're kind of, they go hand in hand. Yeah. We'll get into wow. those on some episodes. At some point. We'll, we'll kind of be touching on yeah. them, but not deeply because they kind of have their own separate kind of lore. They do. Myth, you know, yeah. kind of stuff about them. So, um, well. They're fucking scary. Do you want to? Yeah. Just, uh, talking about yeah. folklore, uh, folklore and stuff. You want to jump yeah. in? Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I mean, it's clear to see how these personal accounts can attest to how frightening the phenomenon of sleep paralysis can be. I'm going to call it SP a lot from here on out because yeah, that's a lo- it's just a, a lot of people do it's that. It's a tongue twister. Yeah. <laughs> the old SP. I, I, I was reading some like uh, some medical articles and they did that. Yeah. They did that a lot. You know, it's like just like SP. Just because it's, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's easier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it. One moment you're asleep, and then the next you're looking out into your own altered version of reality. Everything is in its place. However, there's a strong feeling that something isn't right. Then you see the demon sitting in the corner, which I've seen. Or some fat or piece the of dis- shit. <laughs> right? Or you hear a group of children screaming far away, which I have heard before. Oh, God, Heather, no. <laughs> Or simply feel an overwhelming sense of dread or fear. Or someone farting right in your face. Yeah. (laughs) And there's nothing you can do about it. All you can do is pray that you can fall back asleep before the shadow man can get to you or that your body will mercifully obey and allow you to move again. Mm -hmm. SP has plagued people all over the world for centuries. There's actually over a hundred different names for this phenomenon. And in many instances, it is explained through the existence of predatory supernatural beings. Throughout history, nightmares themselves have been believed to occur due to the intervention of a demon, succubus, or an evil spirit. Interestingly, throughout the world, there is a striking commonality between these creatures and entities. And I'm going to list a few examples here. It is funny because we kind of talked about, you know, we talked about some of this in our succubus episode, like very lightly, but like... Right. You know, this idea of like a nocturnal entity that fucks with you in the night, you know, like like yeah. in your sleep, you know. So it's like it's a I mean, as we'll get into, it's a incredibly old idea that goes back thousands of years. Absolutely does. Yeah. So um, in Brazilian folklore, they tell of Pisadira, the long nailed crone that travels along the rooftops at night. Nailed that name. She by creeps the way. in. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming so. I hope she, so. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. I, I'm going to butcher some now. Oh, I know. So. God, I, I know it. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Me too. <laughs> Sorry, I don't, uh, so I don't she, do other stuff good. I'm American. Oh, my yeah. God. James laughs at me all the time. It's uh, like today we had to go to a place called Alhambra, and I was like, Alhambra? <laughs> Jalapenos? Jalapeno. Exactly. So the Pisadita, she creeps into bedrooms at night to stomp on the chests of people that have gone to bed on a full stomach. Damn, American History X Oh, what style. a bitch. <laughs> just fucking combat yeah. boots. Just like... No. You did not eat my food. Kill you. <laughs> Now, this is the one I'm really going to butcher. Um, from Cambodia, there is Kamak Sangat. I'm so sorry, guys. That's okay. And, but that's translated as the ghost that pushes you down. Because you're being a nerd. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the creature is said to put their hands over your throat and push down on your chest to hinder your ability to breathe or scream. Now, this ghost appears in several different forms. Um, you know, the, the normal shadow man. A red-eyed, sharp-toothed figure that carries a knife or a blunt object, Ooh. and an ape-like demon. Ape-like? That's a well. I guess kind of like humanoid. Yeah. Yeah. Man. And he's got pimples and gives you wedgies. <laughs> <laughs> That's an ape-like demon, if I've ever seen. So in Thailand, we have Phi Am. This is described as a female ghost that haunts the victim when they are half asleep by sitting on their chest. 
and is said to even be able to kill. Ooh, actually, we'll, we'll get more into this later. Yeah. Mm. She is said to only haunt men, so some will put on lipstick to try and fool her. <gasps> no. I hope there's photos of that shit. Some, like, burly, like, bricklayer dude with, like, lipstick on while he's sleeping. Can't attack me. I'm just a pretty girl. Mm. I'm just a pretty girl. <laughs> uh, what's about to An do? <laughs> I moisturize. <laughs> I smell like lavender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bath and body spray. Fuck off. <laughs> I have a Sephora so, credit card. <laughs> Here, look. So in Italy, there is the old hag called Pandafice. I'm not sure if that's how you say it. That sounds, that Alex, sounds that looks right. They attack those who are asleep. People who fear her visitations will put a broom by their bedroom door or make a pile of sand next to the bed, or sleep in the supine position to keep her away, and supine is on your back. That's a big no-no in the old SP. <laughs> it's true, it is. That's like normally it really will is, happen, yeah. yeah, when you're laying on Man, your back. That's, that's a good sitting spot for something evil. They love They're that being shit. contrarians, Spe- I guess. Shit, I don't know. especially got boobies? That's some cushion right there. Yeah. I mean, well, like, I wonder I- if you have to do all three of those <clears throat> things in defiance. I'm, I'm not really sure. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that could be, like, an act of, like, showing you're, like, unafraid, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, Because, like, uh, man, that's interesting. Yeah, because that kind of goes against, like, what they say. I read it a few times, and I was like, okay, well, I guess that's what they said. Yeah. So, in Spain, uh, the Spanish region of Catalonia, the Pisanta plagues people's sleep. It is a black animal that is most frequently described as a cat or dog. It sneaks into people's homes at night and sits on their chests as they sleep. This causes terrifying nightmares and difficulty breathing. So I wonder if those, like, yeah. the dog or cat things ever, like, scoot, like, scoot their butt on them. You know, like, like wiping <laughs> like their wipe butt. Like, wipe it off on yeah, your like, yeah, butt. You got a brown stain <laughs> so you know it's fucking real. Got a Hershey, Hershey track there. <laughs> Get those worms off of me. Oh, nuts. I just got this. Oh, man. (laughs) And in Japanese folklore, they tell of a phenomenon called kanashibari. Is that how you say it? Yeah, I think you you did good there. Kanashibari. Thank you. Kanashibari, which is, it's like a state of being. Um, and it translates to the state of being totally bound as if constrained by metal chains. Which is interesting. That like that, that addition of like um, like metal is is like a, an interesting yeah. vari- variation on it. I thought so, too. Because like other other people will say like they they feel like strings or like ropes of light or like sometimes other things like holding them down still. So it's just like these right. weird variations of like sometimes it's light. Sometimes it's just like strings. Sometimes like, in you know, with Japan, it's like metal, you know, which elicits like an idea, like a feeling of like cold, like kind of inhuman, right. you know, sort of thing. I swear, Japan and Africa win the award for the craziest folklore, scariest shit. Oh, my God. Wow. (laughs) It's really interesting. Japanese ghosts and yokai, like, like she has what now? Her hair tickles you and her eyes are popping out? But sometimes it's caressing (laughs) your tummy? Like, what the fuck? Sometimes it's so silly, too, you know? Yeah, like, there's, like, a frog guy where you've got to, like, put a little... 
little little raisin in his goddamn head the, the, dish. The, the kapu, I think it is. Where he's like the turtle, yeah. like the turtle dude. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got to do? Put a rice cake in his little head it's divot? Like, uh, like... It's like kappa, kapu. I can't remember. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, go on. Give him kisses on his toes. <laughs> That's amazing. Like a bald Suck head. on those piggies. That was a So contrary to what, you know, we've talked to the examples we've mentioned before uh, with Kanashibari, it's believed to be brought on by a summoner who calls upon a vengeful spirit to punish the summoner's enemies. So it's like kind of magical intervention almost. Crazy. Well, yeah, I'll kind of go over something later, but there's sort of an idea of like a fear of curses or hexes, you know, like it's it's which which will come into play with some cultures and how they view like what sleep paralysis is. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So um, all of these beings seem to have one thing in common. They want you to suffocate. They want you to have terrible nightmares. And they may even want to kill you. And to add even more nope to this idea, there have been claims that pets also can see the entities that the subject is seeing, as people have reported witnessing their pet looking directly at the hallucination or acting strangely around the area where it manifested during an episode. Hell no. No, right. no, no, no. It's really unnerving and poses more questions than answers. And I think was that's that is a, a good thing to bring up about sleep paralysis. It, it it always poses more questions than answers. Yeah. And no matter what what mm-hmm. you know, way you want to look at it, whether you want to look at it scientifically, logically, if you want to look at it like supernaturally, spiritually, it I mean, it's yeah. always more more questions and like there's never a definitive answer. So, I mean, and that's the great thing about the human brain and like, you know, schizophrenic patients and, you know, things like that. People that have hallucinatory kind of, you know, mental problems, like the randomness of their waking thoughts, too. Like, that's another thing to consider. So, I don't know. It's a good point. The the chemistry of our brains is so strange. It's it's Mm -hmm. just fascinating. Yeah, truly. And, um. Did you guys, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun, but like, uh, didn't you mention a figure with a hat? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to, oh, okay. I don't know if you're going to mention him, Heather. I, I didn't mention him, but, um, it, I'm it just, not actually, it's just sort of a famous, Dude, it's, like a, a it's a famous story. figure that a lot of people say they see. It's like a variation of a shadow person, but they have like a, like, yeah. you know, a, a, a hat. Sometimes it's like a wide brim hat, you know, it's just, it's kind of for some reason a hat. Don't, couldn't ask. Well, it's almost like the the dude with a cloak too. Some people see him like have a like a huge coat or like a cloak ugh. over him, kind of like a weird like, you know, um, medieval monk sulking around your room or something. Well, my yeah. friend, my friend, she um, she's from Hungary originally, and she now lives in Berlin. But she had. Do you remember when she came to visit Chris, her and um, David's other German friend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was her. So. She grew up in Hungary, and um, her mom was pregnant, like, pretty far along, and they all shared this small apartment, and one night when they're all sleeping, and of course, they're all sleeping in the same room, I guess it was that was commonplace during the time, but she sees a man, like a shadowy figure in a large brim hat with a black dog, walk in the room, put his hand over his her mother's stomach, and the next day, she miscarried. Oh, it was like some that's crazy story like that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that pretty was, crazy. That was yeah. that was her crazy ass story, but I'll never forget that one. Yeah, yeah. People like um, 
will like ascribe like premonitions sometimes to mm-hmm, you know right, those experiences mm-hmm. and you know well, we'll same ca- with like the doppelgangers you guys were talking about yeah i mean we'll get into how like you know again how mysterious the the mind is and like what it can do to you you know like how your mind can play tricks on you like sometimes it's like maybe your body trying to tell you something but the only way that it can be conveyed is through like it's like subconsciously a way that your mind could you know interpret it i guess right. you know yeah yeah uh, symbolism that that's utilized and stuff like yeah, that yeah yeah sure like your, mm-hmm. your body pulling from your you know from from your own i guess like memories and like you know just your catalog yeah. of, of of like the yeah. world you know collective sem- semiotics i think it's called the study of symbolism but something oh, like okay. that yeah but um i was gonna ask heather have you ever had the old hag thing no no it's oh my been God. demons and auditory for the most part and and like characters from video games and shit <laughs> 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 old piece of gum under the couch <laughs> so as we mentioned at the top of the episode an interesting aspect of these sp hallucinations is that they tend to take forms which are influenced by the subject's cultural background we talked about the comparison of demons seen in western christian backgrounds against the jinn of egypt keeping that in mind to me this can be likened to when you watch a scary movie and later that night you have a nightmare about the monster in the film or find yourself in a similar scenario to what you were watching. It seems to come from outside influences. What you've seen in real life is hiding away in your subconscious to later manifest itself as a being in a dream. This further supports the idea that when SP occurs, the sufferer is somewhere between a dream state and a waking state. So we can trace descriptions of SP to 400 BC China, where the hallucinations were described in A Book of Dreams. There were ancient mythological ties as well, such as the Greeks' Ephialtes and the Romans' Incubus, and I probably butchered that too, (laughs) which leaned toward a supernatural explanation. On the other hand, Greek physicians such as Galen attributed the affliction to overindulgences of food and alcohol. Theologians of the Middle Ages, of course, hypothesized that evil spirits were to blame, where later, in the Renaissance, scholars such as Philip Barrow and Johann Weir again attribute SP to gastric disturbances. So you see that a lot. Yeah, they'll, and you know, it's kind of like in the medieval and, and Renaissance times, you know, sometimes they were reaching back to the classical world for information. So, like, you know, that's where we get, like, right. theories of, like, the humors would be involved in, like, what causes sleep paralysis. You know, because, like, yeah. they, I mean, something so unknown like that, you know, they'll especially in those times they were always reaching back to the classical world to try to find like answers because like sometimes the greeks uh, had some pretty like progressive ideas or modern ideas about the world around them and good technology too yeah i mean yeah amazing technological i i can't remember who who this greek um he was like a mathematician i can't remember who he was now man fuck i can't remember his name anyway he basically figured out the circumference of the earth um, based on two different cities and how they're, how these like obelisk shadows fell at different times of the day. Damn. Holy shit. Yeah, dude. Here. Like basically like calculated the, the circumference of the world to like a T man. Like, 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 I mean, incredibly close. Wow. That's fascinating. Fucking. Yeah. 
I mean, so that's why, you know, I call it the dark ages because a lot of information was lost. So, you know, they're always look- yeah. they're always looking back and that kind of They're like, you're seeing their- a giant cat figure? Well, let's milk that liver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like, you know, always looking back to inform your understanding of the world, you know, mm-hmm, especially. Mm-hmm. And then that's, that's when we see those early ideas of like sleep paralysis and, you know, cultural beliefs and what they could be. I'm just looking at this next name, and I'm going to butcher it again. <laughs> it's okay. So, <laughs> so one very early analysis of sleep paralysis appears in Akawani Bokhari's The Hadayat, a, t- a medieval 10th century Persian medical treatise which describes this phenomenon. This excerpt addresses the nightmare and shows a clear interest in explaining the phenomenon in scientific terms, rather than the more widely believed supernatural persuasion. He wrote, The nightmare is an introduction to epilepsy, and it is caused by rising vapors from the stomach to the brain. This disorder mostly affects people with cold temperament in the brain. Cold blood flows in the brain and its vessels. The therapy includes bloodletting from the superficial vein of the arm, Always. And from the leg vein yes. and thinning of the diet. Take it especially, all. I don't need my blood. <laughs> especially in patients with red eyes and face. Ascending vapors of phlegm from the stomach or other organs to the brain may lead to suffocation of the sleeping patient. Its treatment is the same for phlegm-type epilepsy. And in cases with continuous attacks, the nightmare may result in epilepsy. So if you're high and gassy, you're going to have nightmares. (laughs) Right. Again, it's like gastric disturbances. I got a gastric disturbance right now. Well, I mean, but like that kind of goes back to the (laughs) idea of like humors and stuff, because sometimes like vapors um, would often be like, you know, a big part of this like diagnosis, like, oh, a vapor inside is is Mm -hmm. going to your your brain. Well, in Eastern beliefs of winds and stuff like that in your body, like too much like, you know, easterly winds. Uh, almost like this, winds. like, environmental consideration, you know, like like a really mm-hmm. early environmental consideration for, like, illness or something like that. You know, Juice it's like, it's not just yeah. in the body. It's not <laughs> something that, yeah, it's not, like, just horrible, like, fart gas. It's, it's you know, like, maybe your environment has something to do with it. Well, maybe you shouldn't have eaten that cheese, dog. You're going to have nightmares. <laughs> I wish it were that simple. I know, me too. <laughs> now, in speaking more mo- modern historical records, we start to see more science taking root in the conversation. Despite the subject of SP popping up in almost every region on the planet for many centuries, the first description of SP is usually attributed to Silas Veer Mitchell, when in 1876 he described it as night palsy. Ugh. Even further back, Dutch physician Isa Brand van Diemerbroek. Girl, you okay. are even. Yes, you're doing a great job. I would be like <laughs> butts, pooping butts, McFarland. <laughs> We're gonna get so much hate mail. Like, don't let Heather read names I, anymore. I, I feel like I feel like I'm not any better. You know what? We got a lot of personality. That's, That's all right. That we got we got That's gumption. We true. got personality. Personality for miles. We don't need to know how to pronounce a Persian. That's right name <laughs> <laughs> i don't need to learn how to say so, it <laughs> <but> that... <laughs> so 
This Dutch physician describes a woman's account in his 1664 collection of medical case studies. It reads as follows. This affection is called incubus or the nightmare, which is an intercepting of the motion of the voice and respiration, with the false dream of something lying ponderous upon the breast, the free influx of the spirits to the nerves being obstructed. He thought that due to over-redundancy of blood in the whole body, the motion of the muscles fail. Now, because the motion of the muscles, for the most part, ceases in time of sleep, except the respiratory muscles, therefore the feeling of their motion is first perceived, by the reason of extraordinary trouble that arises for want of respiration. Now the patient in her sleep, growing sensible of that straightness, but not understanding the cause in that condition, believes herself to be overlaid by some Mm. demon, thief, or other ponderous body, being neither able to move her breast nor to breathe. The experiences can return the same night, that if she fall asleep again, especially if she lie upon her back, the same evil returns. So yeah, I'm so glad nothing's been up on my chest. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, that. that I, would I, be I like terrifying. to say that either my brain chemistry right? or if these are actual like de- demons that are like spirits, they're like. They they understand personal space. Well, I mean, and again, like that's that's the really interesting <laughs> thing. It's always like pushing down on your chest, like 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 fucking with your breathing, and then like you know, as this this one kind of says, like a, a big part of it is like lying on your back. Yeah, and I'll get into like my own kind of theories about that in, in later. Yeah, it just it's just interesting. It's like, I mean, through history, through thousands of years, that's always a thing. It's pressing down on you, something you know. And it fucking yeah. sucks. Yeah. It's the worst. So there have also been some very notable depictions of SP in pop culture. I would say the most famous has to be Henry Fuseli. Uh, Henry Fuseli, that's my favorite artist. That was my wedding present to you as a Fuseli piece. That oh, one that's above right. the stairs, yeah. that's the shepherd's dream. Yes. I fucking love him so much. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing thing. And I, I'm sure everyone has seen it. Yes. You guys, if you haven't, look up Henry Fuseli because he's he's kind of like William Blake, but like way spookier. And I want to say better, but I know that's highly debatable. Well, but. I mean, Heather, Heather, do you want to kind of like describe it a little? Maybe because maybe some people haven't seen it. Yeah. So it's his uh, he painted it in 1781. It's called The Nightmare. Oh, so good. And it shows a woman in a deep sleep with a demon sitting on her torso and a very scary black mare looking on behind a curtain. <laughs> That's what that the fucking horse looks like. He's so metal and scary. Thrill of the night! Yeah, dude. That fucker's creepy. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, when you look at it and you've experienced sleep paralysis, it's oh, like... Oh, yeah. You're like, check. Fuck, that's you know, spot it, on. It, totally it's is. funny because Freud wrote about, um, like, his ideas about, like, nightmares and stuff. Like, he wrote a whole thing about it. And yeah. one, um, some writer, I think is uh, Max Eastman, went and visited Freud um, at his apartment. And Freud had a print of Fuseli's The Nightmare hanging on the wall next to Rembrandt's um, The Anatomy Lesson of Dr. Uh, Nicholas Tulp. God damn, Freud had that. Yeah, so but so it's funny because he had That's him, he had taste. him, he had him together, and as like one of my sources would say, you know, it was sort of like metaphorical. 
it's like sort of like the dissection mm. of not only the human body so much but a dissection. Dream, that's correct yeah 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 he used, utilized dreams a lot in his theories so i was i just okay i one more freud thing like so my most memorable like case study of his just is like how ridiculous some of the dreams were that he like dissected one was like and she was sitting on a branch outside of her window shitting into a bucket and a, a wolf was nibbling on her ear and i was like what the fuck did i just read and i was fucking my mother like, just like Jesus. and there was a clown it always and there was a clown crying in the background so is that what that song tears of a clown is really about i'm, I'm pretty sure pretty sure oh smoky robinson i can't believe i never saw it before i didn't know he was such a freudian you know I'd like to have a sad crying clown thought. room one day, like in a bathroom, maybe. Like, you yeah. know, it's a good place what to was do it. Exactly. Ro- what, what and it's it? got to be a sad cl- crying clown in an iron lung. I yeah, still the have to paint life. that yeah, yeah. for you, Christopher. I've been meaning oh, to do that for years. Yeah, dude, you got it. I need that. That'd be easy. That one's an easy one. <laughs> Hell yeah. Christ. What am I waiting for? We'll just do it. <laughs> I'm gonna. So I'm I. gonna. I'm gonna. So, anyway, enough about Freud. Um, like no more talking about <laughs> shitting in buckets, <laughs> or fucking your mother. Not yeah, this yeah, episode, yeah. anyway. Not, yes, yes. <laughs> so, in literature, descriptions of SP appear in several publications. Most notably, would be Herman Melville's 1851 novel *Moby Dick*, <laughs> and F. And F. Scott Fitzgerald's *The Beautiful and so, the Damned*. Yeah! Well, well, what's the, what was the description of it in um, *Moby Dick*? I, I guess I haven't read it in a really long time. I don't really remember like you know i i should have pulled the the uh the quote and i and i did not mm. um so i i don't recall i just mm. uh i was looking at you know sp references and in pop culture and you know i should have uh, that's okay i should I just, have pulled I just the, the excerpt <laughs> i know i'm like ah yeah. <laughs> so unprepared i mean who, who's but read it recently actually, right like, I, am i right <laughs> yeah so, but, like, in thinking about this, too, this is kind of just my own thought that I had. Um, like, because sleep paralysis was widely believed by the scientific community to be caused by stomach issues throughout history, really? do, you, do you think Ebenezer Scrooge could have been alluding to SP when he was speaking to Jacob Marley's ghost? Oh, my God, said, or a bit of mustard or an undigested yeah. beef or whatever. You may be a bit of undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of underdone potato. There's more gravy than grave about you, whatever you are. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That was just That's something cool. I thought about. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I know that I've had sleep paralysis significantly when like I'm quitting smoking or when I have eaten something weird or like something was different throughout my mm. day. I feel like I feel like I've thought of that before, but I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. It's it's like, I mean, because that's such a famous like literary like character and like you know scene. I mean, you know, it's like yeah. every fucking Christmas we're bombarded with it. But um, yeah, it's that's interesting. Yeah. Instead of it being like, I don't know, the way we think about it is like these like spirits of the past, like these imprints, you know, like trying to change you. It's more like. Yeah, I know it's like maybe it's, it's something more sinister, you know? I mean, I know the last ah. time I got stoned to the bone, like on accident, because y'all know I don't really smoke. I had, <laughs> it was the first time that I had, uh, I saw the hag, like, 
thing. Oh. And she was the first one that did not care about my personal space and like really was smushing her face up to mine. And like, that was my sleep paralysis. But I thought that that was totally just from being stoned and stuff like that. It was like, ugh. God I mean, damn there, there's, there's some, some doctors that would tell you that that is the case. Totally. I think so. And uh, so the last mention I'll make of, you know, where uh, notable places in pop history would be the 2015 documentary Nightmare. Mm. Um, and I'd say it's a recommended movie to check out if you're interested in hearing people's personal experiences and how they're affected by them. Um, it doesn't necessarily really go into any scientific nah. like explanations of it but if you want to hear some spooky ass uh reenactments of some of these visions or or see them it's yeah it's no it's it's really good it's got some creepy parts um but you know it definitely starts getting kind of like religious at the end you know sort of like Mm -hmm. but it's not it's not it's not really like it's just like these personal experiences and like kind of how these like some of them kind of you know, they're Westerners most of the time. It's kind of like in America. I think one guy in England. Um, right. So it's a, it's a lot and of I mean, Christianized it did, undertones, you know. Yeah. And it did feel kind of exploitative in certain parts, yeah, a too. Bit. Just, yeah. But, I mean, it still is really I, well I, I, I still like it, yeah. Pretty yeah, cool. Like, despite those, like, yeah. like, kind of little flaws, it's it's pretty pretty interesting, you know. It's, like, these people who, like, who really, yeah. really suffered with, like, from it. Like, not on just, not just, right. not like me who's only had it twice. You know, it's, like, people who have, like, have it almost every night, sometimes every night. Right. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Rough. So, yeah, yeah it's intense. So, uh, one of the last things I'm going to throw out there before I hand it over to Chris is um, in saying one of my favorite things about this subject has to do with modern-day North America and extraterrestrial encounters. Yeah, fuck yeah. So that goes into the reports of alien abductions from people's beds and visions of the lab or spaceship where experimentations take place. Those are common things in people's accounts. Now, what they describe certainly checks off a lot of boxes here. Um, Otherworldly presences, the inability to speak or move, and the overwhelming feeling of fear and panic. And, like, I don't personally wish to completely discount the possibility of alien life forms and that they may be among us because, I mean, who knows? But this argument for these encounters merely being an SP episode is pretty compelling. So, wow. yeah. I think it's well, pretty I mean, interesting. You know, it's like we talk about, like, the cultural similarities, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, is that um, a super national Yeah, and yeah, so, like, fear. so isn't that interesting that, like, alien experiences... Um, like that have to do with like abduction kind of have a like similar um you know like like it's all kind of similar experiences and things like yeah. that it's just like it, that's kind of compelling that like we see those sort of like across the world cultural you know um experiences being so similar you know despite yeah. those cult- despite the cultural barriers right and yeah. like, yeah, and I guess we also see aliens more in more modern times, which is, you know, like mm-hmm. once it starts coming into like the kind of like human consciousness, that stream of consciousness, then it starts to be more prevalent in like in sleep paralysis. Right. Like with sci-fi becoming more prominent over, you know, the 20th century and beyond. Mm-hmm. I, I can definitely see that for sure. Yeah. But, it's right. Re- yeah. It's really fascinating. It's like, um, cause yeah, it's like. A lot of times, you know, like we talk about shadow people and stuff, and it's like they're right. like very un, undefined, like you know, indistinguishable forms. 
And so it's yeah. kind of like the word alien is very like appropriate in that sense. It's 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 right. alien, you know, like outside of like normal kind of everyday perceptions of how the world works. Yeah, yeah. That's very true. All I know is if I had a fire in the sky kind of like sleep paralysis, I might die of fright. <laughs> that Well, we'll we'll actually that. talk about how that is going to be a possibility. <laughs> what? So, oh, wait. sure, sure. Do you guys well, hear? Yeah, totally. Do you guys hear siren? <laughs> is it at your place? Oh, hey guys, I'm Officer Fucking Bummer here. <laughs> see everybody. Oh see everybody in the <laughs> cars. Like, Wait, who was stabbed? <laughs> see everybody in the cars white. That's good to see. Um, I ha- we have been. Another bummer report. There have been a lot of like shots in our neighborhood lately. I don't know. Well, maybe just one night, but it was still like, well, that was really, that was really close. That's to what the officer house, bummers yeah. do, man. That's what we do. I know. I know. <laughs> Bumming you out. Rolling up. Yep. Scaring the uh, shit out of me. Uh, let me put my belly over my belt. Uh. Hopefully, <laughs> You're gonna die one day. hopefully, it doesn't <laughs> set my gun off. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Um, yeah, so I guess I'm going to kind of, like, talk a little bit about the scientific sort of, ra- you know, like, what we would say, like, the rational explanations of this. Yeah. Uh, Profess, you know. please do cardio, everybody, and exercise. I know none of us, I do. Well, Chris probably exercises, but I uh, I certainly don't. But, you know, keep that heart healthy. That's all I got to say. <laughs> my, my job's kind of physical, so, like, I don't work out as much, although I should probably start doing more of that yeah yeah Yeah, for sure me too so um one of the big sources that i'm going to kind of pull from from this because it's and i i want to actually get the buy the book um i was able to get the whole thing online but i would actually have to have it it's called sleep paralysis nightmares nocebos and the mind body connection um and it's by professor shelly r adler um i definitely recommend it if anybody's interested in sleep paralysis she did a really excellent job of kind of like uh, accumulating all the information and like and kind of actually even doing some of her own study work um with like a certain demographic uh, which i'll get into later but it's it's awesome book would definitely recommend it all right but anyway so professor adler in her book she suggests that we could consider sleep paralysis as a type of anomalous trauma Um, And that's really due to the very deep physical and psychological effects that sleep paralysis or, you know, as she describes it as the nightmare, um, you know, which is like kind of the more archaic term. Yeah. But, you know, what it can have on, you know, what those effects can be on the person that experiences it. I I feel like those two words really shouldn't be together. Yeah. Anomalous trauma. Ah! Yeah. Well, it's really strange. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of my interpretation of what she says, yeah. you know, because I mean, man, it's like sleep paralysis is really complicated, you know, as we we know so little about the nightmare or sleep paralysis mm-hmm. and we know even less about how to treat it. You know what I mean? Uh, like, it's just kind of like, oh, God, it, we're still trying to just figure out what the fuck it is. They're like, I don't know. Have some sleepy time tea and just, you know, take yeah. a sleeping pill. Watch yeah. kitty videos. Stop yes, eating. Yeah, uh, eat, eat vegetables. Be be healthy. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we see it prevalent in people who suffered from like childhood traumas or sexual abuse. People who suffer from certain mental disorders, and you know those who also live like diversified lifestyles. We could say like drug addicts or something like right. that. You know, or maybe you know different kinds of people who have different ways of sleeping. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, and some doctors will attribute sleep paralysis to stress, alcohol or substance abuse, or even just like the use of caffeine. But it's obviously a very like lazy diagnosis as people, you know, they'll often make the prescribed lifestyle changes like start running more, start, you know, lose weight, right. blah, blah, blah. But it, it generally has few results with, with a lot of people um, yeah, in trying it, to treat it. It doesn't seem to make a difference in my case. I've had it. I find so many. Different... I do find mine is stress induced for sure. Yeah. Well, and I and I don't yeah. I don't think that for some people it stress could, but I don't think that it's it's not an umbrella diagnosis or like right. treatment. No, it could happen at any time for sure. Yeah, and you could be a perfectly healthy person and it happened to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like and maybe maybe relatively stress free and it happened to you. Right. Mm-hmm. So before the internet. And our ability to come together as a global community, uh, sleep paralysis was usually experienced in sort of isolated and nebulous terms. You know, victims, they didn't know how many other people around the world experienced the same thing they were. And the lack of understanding made people feel even more alone and sometimes like was stigmatized. And that just made them feel even more apart from their own communities. So, you know, it's like it really, you know, socially fucked people up before like... You know, before, like, the good thing about the Internet and sleep paralysis is that, you know, people could come together and share their experiences, like, across the world. And that really begins to open up a dialogue. It makes it less stigmatized. And it actually kind of becomes a catalyst for the medical community to to seriously study the phenomenon. You know, instead of being like, it's stress, you know, stop smoking. Deal with it. (laughs) Yeah, like, oh, sorry, can't help you. So, obviously... We're not scientists. I'm definitely not a scientist. Um, and I really had to like pick and choose from the pool, the, the sorry, the pool of like theories and studies. Um, so I'm gonna like leave quite a bit out. I just kind of pick the most interesting things to me. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so we'll kind of get into the medical stuff a little bit. So the number the number of people who experience sleep paralysis it varies like pretty widely. I mean, it can be anywhere from six to forty percent of healthy adults. Um, having at least one experience of sleep paralysis in their life. And we'll get into how that gets a little weird, but conservative estimates put it at about 8% of the general population have experienced or do experience sleep paralysis. So almost 10% of, of people around the world yeah. have experienced it. So relatively small, but mm. but actually kind of kind of a large swath of, you know, of the world. Yeah, that sounds, that's a little bit more than I thought, but yeah. Well, you know, and it's like Professor Adler, she points out that, you know, our cultural differences can really muddy the waters on like how how many people really experience sleep paralysis. Sure. She notes that a psychologist, uh, Kazuhiko Fukuda, I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. He he administered a questionnaire to college students in Canada and in Japan um, regarding sleep paralysis. And they found that there were no real differences in the number of cases or the symptoms. Um, but what was different was how it was interpreted and perceived. So Canadian students were more likely to shrug it off as like a bad dream and not be like, you know, just be like, eh. But Japanese Whatever. students were, yeah, but they were quite... Not be talking about it in a podcast like we are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I just had a bad dream, like fucking whatever. And we're like, no, I got to tell everybody There's a about- conspiracy. <laughs> But Japanese students, you know, described it as the uh, kanishibari, uh, which 
you know, Heather just described earlier, it's it's that entity that is associated with sleep paralysis. Um, you know, and obviously that could be chalked up to like, you know, the Japanese kind of believing in the idea of spirits and stuff more than like mm-hmm. Western secular cultures. Right. So, you know, that makes it difficult because it's like some people don't even realize they maybe experienced it and don't report it or don't, you know, talk about it. Sure. And, you know, what complicates matters even more are the cultural differences in how sleep and how sleep is viewed and experienced. So, like, our understanding of sleep is just as limited as our understanding of the mechanics of the mind. So this bleeds into our different cultural practices for sleep. Uh, So, for instance, in the West, we usually sleep at night and for about, you know, six to eight hours with maybe a nap in the afternoon, if we're lucky. (laughs) 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 Right. (laughs) Work us till we're dead. Um, (laughs) And this is known as the uh, biphasic manner. Um, But there is also uh, the polyphasic manner, which is kind of congruent with the napping cultures in Japan and China. So it's kind of like how you take a lot of like naps during the day. Man, yeah. put the baby down. I want to take some naps. <laughs> I'm gonna take my breaks. Yeah, the meal well, is not enough. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, it's like good luck if you get like Week. six to eight hours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're getting um, old. I want some naps. <laughs> so we also have to like think of uh, you know like more traditional cultures like you know uh, like we would say like more primitive, but you know it's really just, they're just more traditional. Um, but they have more fluid sleeping patterns and kind of times due to a variety of factors. Like they'll have nighttime rituals that sometimes go on for a few nights. You know, sometimes there'll be night watches because you're sleeping out in the middle of the jungle, you know, and you have mm. to like watch out for things. So those can influence how different cultures, more more traditional cultures, you know, kind of view how they sleep. It's, it's more kind of fluid. You know, it's, it's not like yeah. a strict like has to be at this time kind of thing. But obviously, these discrepancies in sleep patterns and the cultural interpretations, they make studying sleep paralysis really tricky because there aren't these like variables that are always consistent and measurable, which is what you're looking for in science. It's like, what is measurable and consistent that I can make a like solid hypothesis on? Right. So I point all this out to illustrate that we culturally, environmentally, and geographically experience sleep differently. And that makes it hard to measure, as I just kind of mentioned. Mm-hmm. But researchers often use Westerners for studies um, because they have more consistent and predictable patterns of sleep. And usually their environments are more consistent as well. Mm-hmm. But this makes the phenomenon all the more fascinating and mysterious as despite all these different variables, we still experience the same things more or less when we experience sleep paralysis. Yeah, that is interesting. So... That's there's a really interesting. In- yeah, exactly. Right. It's like it's like there's all these barriers that should make things very, very much different. But we experience very similar things, no matter like mm-hmm. where you are in the world. Yeah. So w- one really interesting correlation I read was between narcoleptics and the, you know, and sleep paralysis. It seems that those who suffer from narcolepsy are more likely to experience sleep paralysis than the normal population. And this goes for those who suffer schizophrenia as well. Hmm. Oh, that makes so much sense to me. Just yeah, th- they're like know. that's the thing. It's like you know, eight percent of the general population. But when we talk about like those who suffer from like schizophrenia or narcolepsy, um, a bigger percentage of them experience sleep paralysis. Because like, it's like the two components run rap- rampant in someone's, you know. Yeah, you, you know, we we could say it's like we could stuff. say it's like a muddling of the subconscious and the conscious mind. Right. 
And so I, out of the two, I find the the correlation with narcolepsy the most interesting. So yeah, that is. I'm, I'm going to read a portion from a study published by the British Medical Journal in 1971. Um, the article was called Tears of Sleep. Oh. <clears throat> Quote, the narcoleptic feels irresistible drowsiness at intervals during the day and often falls asleep. He awakens aware of vivid and sometimes unpleasant fantasies, which, though usually called hypogogic hallucinations in the textbooks, are generally longer and more coherent dreams. These, pa <laughs> these patients show a characteristic abnormality in that they will pass from drowsiness directly into paradoxical or rapid eye movement, REM phase of sleep, in which the brain is peculiarly geared to dreaming. Whereas normal persons do not enter paradoxical sleep until after an hour of orthodox or EEG slow wave sleep, mm, M. Jovet yes. described the extreme flaccidity of most skeletal muscles during the paradoxical sleep. And when this was found true of man, another common feature of narcolepsy, namely sleep paralysis, took on a new light. Yes, yes. So what he essentially said here, you know, if you could get past my horrible accent, were that... <laughs> So some doctors and scientists think that sleep paralysis is most likely to occur when someone enters REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, um, which is the deepest sleep we can be in right yeah. away. So before they even had time to get to it through the stage of non-REM sleep, which usually eases us into REM sleep. Huh. So you bypass like that easement into the deep, deep REM sleep. And so when that happens, they're aware, they're kind of aware conscious minds are then propelled right into REM sleep without being eased into it. And this kind of mixes deep dreaming with a conscious awareness. Wow. So someone who has narcolepsy often will experience sleep paralysis more because of this just like instantaneous falling asleep and not going Man. through the proper stages yes. into REM sleep. Their chemicals are all fucked up, of course. Yeah. They're having yeah. crazy-ass visuals yeah. and dreams. Yeah. So Ugh. I think it's important that we... I'm going to very briefly talk about the nature of dreams, which we really don't know anything about. I mean, it's still a mystery. Yeah. Um, but Dr. Sanjay Singh from the uh, CHI Health's Neurological Institute, uh, he had kind of a few things to say about it. So according to Dr. Singh, when we sleep and dream... It washes away neurological toxins and kind of gives us a mental reboot. Hmm. So, which is why when we don't sleep well, we experience physiological disturbances and issues. Um, and these things can later manifest into, you know, like stroke or dementia. Oh, geez. Um, so Singh says, you know, there are four stages of sleep that we need to get to to sleep properly. So it's the first and second stage are light sleep. The third stage is a deep sleep. But then the fourth is REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. And REM sleep is most notably called that because our eyes kind of like very rapidly move under the lids. But really, it just kind of indicates that there is a great deal of brain activity happening, even though we're unconscious. Right. Or, you know, like asleep. This fucker never gets a break. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, you know. This poor noodle of mine. <laughs> there's obviously some biological advantage to dreaming. Um but we don't really know why we do it. I wonder if it's almost real quick, almost like intrusive thoughts where it's just kind of, you know, getting us ready for certain scenarios and survival things. And also to kind of purge 
thoughts and give answers to questions sure. to kind of relieve stress yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Some would say it's to kind of like, I guess, kind of that reboot of the mind, like what, what it had went through that day, you know, like right. or had been through. It's just kind of like giving it a nice restart, kind of like letting it make sense of, of you know, I don't know. We, we like even neurologists don't quite know what dreaming is. It's you know. like it's like that dude in the ring with Rocky that like you know puts fucking ice on his face and then like, gives a massage like that's our get in there rock and our our chemicals being there. like all right let's make sense of this bullshit here <laughs> yeah what are you doing you're too open you gotta close it up close it up <laughs> um yeah that's a tidal wave coming you're cool you're cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean but every everyone dreams um some people will say like I don't dream I don't no it's you just don't remember everyone yeah. dreams like you're you're mm-hmm. Your mind is working on a sub, you know, unconscious level. Right. So I cannot stress how much like scientists, you know, like medical explanations emphasize easing into REM sleep, how important it is. Because um, kind of as Katie had kind of mentioned at the top was like how when you go into REM sleep, when you start falling asleep, like there is these you, you paralyze your body to an extent which it keeps us from physically mm-hmm. acting out our dreams. Mm-hmm. So it's like these neural pathways that cause um, cause this is it's different from our normal neural pathways. Um, REM behavior disorder can happen when these normal like pathways when you're falling asleep that keep you kind of like immobile. Um, sometimes like that doesn't happen. And right. so people will actually act out their dreams and they often get violent and hurt, you know, others or themselves. Oh, yeah, that's sleepwalking for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sleepwalking or sometimes people will start like thrashing and like will like fucking hit their other you know significant other yes yes i mean i don't know if you've ever like when you're first falling asleep where you kick or something yeah Yeah. or you do that yeah i've had that happen yeah yeah so it's like could be a misfiring of that neural pathway that you know that that biologically makes us shut down so that we don't do Mm -hmm. that so you know sleep paralysis we are mentally awake or we mentally wake up, and sometimes we can even open our eyes, but we are still in REM sleep, or to say we're still paralyzed. So our brain activity is similar as being conscious, and just as we can kind of have sensations or experiences, um, you know, or experience different feelings in our dreams, we are now experiencing them while awake, or at least consciously aware, but paralyzed. And, you know, this is, of course, really frightening. And we perceive that we are fully awake, but unable to move or speak. And so that's kind of like incredibly frightening. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's your. It sucks to remember that feeling like so often, you know, <laughs> yeah. like that. But yeah, just feeling just that tingly feeling of not being able to move and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just feeling that chemical at work is just so eerie. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's ex- like it's it's helplessness, you know. Like you are yeah. just, you are helpless. Um, I mean, it's almost like also, do you ever, when you wake up first in the morning, like that groggy feeling and like your body's just not working right. And you sure. like maybe drop things or yeah. like do a lot of dumbass things. Sure, like yeah, this morning yeah. we have a hand grinder for coffee and I was grinding the coffee without the catcher at the bottom. <laughs> so I was just grinding it onto the floor <laughs> for a second. And uh-huh. I was like, I'm waking up. That's what's going on. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like floor coffee. That's that's fine. <laughs> mm, delicious. Get the room. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so this brings me to kind of like, as I've been reading and thinking about this stuff, I have kind of my own opinion or my own kind of theory on this. Yeah. Um, mm. 
So the best way I can describe it is a subconscious or unconscious triggering of our natural flight or fight response. So some some researchers have noticed that sleep paralysis often occurs when someone is asleep on their back or in the supine position. So this is, of course, is a very vulnerable position to be in. You know, the front of the body is open, your face, your neck, your stomach, you know, all, totally. all the those vi- guts look delicious. Yeah, all your vital spots are just like laid bare. I know. Okay. And it's just like when a kitty cat or a doggy shows you their tummy, they're like, they're really into it. You, you better know? be careful. All their guts. Yeah. <laughs> Tread lightly. Um, so, you know, think about the narcolepsy thing, though. So when someone falls into REM sleep without easing into it through non-REM sleep, they can suddenly mentally wake up and that anxiety gets triggered. Their blood pressure and heart rates will rise. You know, their breathing becomes labored, more frantic. You know, these physiological things happen. And, you know, that vor- that vulnerable orientation of the body heightens that anxiety and fear. So that further triggers the physiological mechanisms that occur when we feel threatened or unsafe. Right. So it's kind of like the unconscious or subconscious mind could then create images sounds or other manifestations and hallucinations that mirror the anxiety of the flight or fight response that we cannot by like we cannot like physically act out you know because mm-hmm, we're paralyzed yeah. caught in that paralyzed uh that paralyzed phase of, of yes yeah, state of mind yeah or, or and physical paralyzation too yeah yeah exactly so it's kind of like these things compound themselves into like this heightened anxiety you know, just triggers all these things. And, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I guess for an example, you know, if, if we feel unsafe and vulnerable in our bed, which is the one place that we should feel comfortable and safe, you know, our minds might make a kind of undefined image of a presence or an intruder or, you know, or any kind of other malevolent, malevolent entity that wants to harm us. And of course, depending on your cultural influence, we might mistaken them for demons or spirits or in a more modern sense, aliens. So, you know, as I was reading about all this, I kept getting caught up on the idea of intrusion. So it's like how we said earlier, like how maybe your body is telling you something, but your mind can only process what it's trying to tell you in like images or things that it pulls from like your everyday experience. Yeah, I think sleep paralysis could be a similar phenomenon where oh because that makes you, a lot of sense yeah, yeah because you didn't fall into REM sleep properly you know and then you're you're paralyzed that tra- that just starts to compound on like okay I can't move crap I'm on my back and I'm vulnerable flight or fight response I can't e- I can't even run away or move which yeah. just keeps and I mean, building and building and then your mind's like you know fucking terrified your body's terrified and then it creates these images that kind of like are the manifestations of that fear. I mean, and it makes sense for me. Like the, the guy I keep referring to is he's a, a manifestation of my biggest fear. It's this fat dude that wants to probably sexually assault me, wants to hurt me, like strangle me. Like it's all very real things manifested in this figure that, usually shows up in my sleep paralysis Mm -hmm. yeah interesting it sucks yeah and like that is my vulnerable thing like you know those are the those are the people out there that i'm i i am afraid of you know well we we talked about how like the succubus is often used as a figure in sleep paralysis um you know and on the episode when we were talking about it it kind of takes that sexual bend so you'll find a lot of people experience that sexual abuse 
you know, almost like kind Fear. of rape sleep paralysis. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, which is like terrifying, horrible, you know, yeah. like uh, have, worst you case know, scenario. All kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible. So, yeah, that's interesting, you know, because it's could be, like you said, like an accumulation of all these like kind of fears that you have the as concepts. being this person in this in this culture or this like place. It sucks that, you know, they're knowing that there's so many years left and there still has not been a rapey sleep paralysis yet. But I like the fat lady hasn't sang a song yet. Like it could happen. Like, no, please. No, let's hope, you better make hope me it never come comes or I'm going to kick your butt. Kick your butt. Oh, God, no. He's always like another thing about that figure that's he's he there's always like he can't come near me. It's always like there's a force mm. field like he there's a certain threshold that he can't get past. But and like he can't move either, but he's fucking he wants to really, really bad. Yeah, you, oh, you, oh, you feel it. That shit. Yeah, it's like a mm-hmm. it's like a psychic. I feel energy. the intention. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. <clears throat> so uh, there are a lot of scientific papers and research out there and some of it I like barely understood. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought I would kind of leave. Uh, talking about kind of the worst case scenarios on how sleep paralysis might be tied to death. So of course I, I know wee, 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 wee. <laughs> I know I, I know I left out a lot of medical stuff, but those are some of the more compelling things that I kind of thought and yeah. kind of read. So hey guys, guess what? What's up? Guess what? Chicken butt. We're not making it out of here alive. Twenty twenty. All right. Love you. Seriously. Oh no. <laughs> there's cyanide in my drink oh you know what i had my first like super paranoid thought like i think it was on no it was yesterday i had like del taco i went to a fast food and i'm like these i'm like i go out to eat all the time like way more than i should and i'm just like anybody could fucking poison me at any time Uh just some psycho could that's a possibility and i was just like I don't know if I want to go out to eat anymore too much. Like, I was just like, damn, well, put like, on, what's going on? I'm all paranoid. Put on your tinfoil hat. You'll be okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Stop following me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Professor Adler, in her book, she researched a phenomenon that was first reported in 1977 um, in America. So, more than 117 Southeast Asians in America had died between like 1977 and like, I think it was like somewhere in the eighties um, mm-hmm. from a disorder known as a uh, sons, the sudden unexpected nocturnal death syndrome. Oh. oh, I've heard of that fun one. Do not like that. <laughs> so in her case study, uh-uh. she found that the rates were unusually high in a uh, lay, uh, lay oceans, yeah. uh, particularly in the Hmong refugees Jeez. in 1961. I'm just going to give like a, really really quick thing like it's very complicated but this is just kind of basically so in 1961 the Hmong men were enlisted by the u.s army to fight against the communist north vietnamese army and the pathet lao troops um, in what is known as the indochina wars uh, they were seen as great guerrilla fighters because they knew the mountain terrains very well kind of knew the lay of the land but the war was lost in 1975, a communist one, and nearly one-third of the Laotian Hmong population lost their lives. Um, and they were even subject one to third. an ethnic cleansing from the Pathet Lao government, which forced uh, you know many of them to flee, which is why we got kind of an influx of Hmong people uh. in the 70s uh, to America as refugees. 
Oh, Awful. Wow. So most of the victims of these nocturnal deaths were men, and they were usually said to be in good health. And the deaths were sometimes witnessed by a family member who had, quote, been awakened by the sound of the victim gasping or moaning. And the victim would usually die within minutes after. Oh, my God. Oh, no. So, so just just died. Fucking I wonder shit. if it's just from pure stress. Like, well, geez. that's kind of one of the theories. You know, I mean, so there's a myriad of different theories on why it. I mean, parrots die that way. Not to, not to compare the Hmong people to parrots, but well, no, know. but it's like, well, and people just die in their sleep. You know, I mean, there's like, oh, yeah. there's a lot yeah, of different animals, all kinds of a lot of different do. reasons, though. You know, it's like you could have, mm-hmm. um, you know, sleep apnea can can be a reason. Sometimes, yeah. like something with your with your um, heart. You know, like, or you're, it's just like, there's a bunch of different reasons. Um, but one of the more plausible ones kind of concerned a problem uh, with the heart's electrical conduction system. Um, this is ultimately, ultimately an unsatisfactory explanation as well. But how this ties in with sleep paralysis is that the symptoms of, of what the Hmong people like were experiencing, um, they often mirrored the symptoms of sleep paralysis so it was kind of like right. a sense of fear paralysis a pressure on the chest sensing an entity or an alien being you know it was just it was kind of a similar thing that tied it and yeah. so we don't understand why this happened more frequently with among refugees and you know usually only within a couple of years of relocating at the time but it wouldn't be a surprise to know that they too have their own folklore and beliefs about a nocturnal presence that presses on their victims uh, they say that the entity i think is dobso uh, can actually kill its victims if they do not see a shaman or if the shaman fails to help the victim, they can die in their sleep. So they already had a folklore about dying in your sleep from an entity, which is interesting. Yeah. My God. Wow. So this gets tied up in a theory where intense emotions or stress can lead to a sudden death or what we what is kind of known as voodoo death. And is also tied to a sudden cardiac death, which can be brought on by extreme psychological stress. So we're saying, you know, it's like these people suffered trauma, sometimes in their childhood, sometimes, you know, just as young men. And they could experience, you know, a cardiac death through that psychological stress. But it more often is correlated with supernatural terms like a hex or a curse. You know, again, this wasn't a new idea to the Hmong people about dying in your sleep. Yeah. So Walter B. Cannon, head of the Department of Physiology at Harvard in 1942, uh, he studied the phenomenon of nocturnal death syndrome and asked the question, quote, whether an ominous or persistent state of fear can end the life of a man, unquote. So as Adler accounts, uh, Cannon argued that through extreme fear brought about by witchcraft or sorcery, the body's sympathetic nervous system is stimulated and muscles are readied for immediate action. Blood vessels contract and large amounts of adrenaline and blood sugar are produced. A less intense form of this state is a normal and healthy response to the threat of danger. And we would recognize this as the flight or fight response. So this kind of coincides with my theory of the unconscious mind triggering, or sorry, the unconscious triggering of the flight or fight response and the body's physical or mental reactions to that response. And this can be deadly when in conjunction with something known as the ventricular arrhythmia, where there are kind of these abnormal heartbeats in the lower heart chambers. And this can cause the heart to beat too fast, which prevents oxygen-rich blood uh, from circulating to the brain and body. 
and this can cause cardiac arrest. Um, and that was from the Stanford Healthcare um, uh, website. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. like super uncomfortable. <laughs> so yeah, how you could just die in your sleep. Um, so while this theory is interesting when we speculate about sudden nocturnal deaths we can kind of see how it could be applied to the non-fatal normal sleep paralysis yeah you know it's that kind of it could be the same thing but a lot of us just don't experience like the super hyper intense physiological problems that can come with like certain people maybe just just the wrong thing happens, you know, like, again, maybe cardiac arrest can happen. Maybe an aneurysm Fucking piece can of happen. mustard, some undigested beef, you know, like <laughs> sure. all that yeah. shit. Yeah. Kitty videos Decrease are in my the future. surplus population. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it's, it's just really fascinating <laughs> to me. And it, it was kind of like I had that kind of theory about the flight or fight response being triggered. And then I kind of read that theory, which had more to do with the death. But I thought, well, that's still applicable to like other people who experience sleep paralysis. Right. So, yeah. So ultimately, uh, we do not know what causes sleep paralysis. I mean, I could sit here and throw theories at you all day. We still don't know. Um, At the University of Toronto, researchers, quote, manipulated transmitters and receptors in the brains of rats and were able to provoke sleep paralysis or at least how sleep paralysis looks in the brain um, to, like, to medical, like, uh, you know, to, like, sleep labs. Oh, my goodness. Um, Well, but they, and they hope that by studying these mechanisms, you know, researchers will ultimately be able to understand what mechanisms in the brain cause sleep paralysis in humans. Those poor babies. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, but we don't really know. I fucking, I half and half hate rats and love rats. I just, (laughs) Oh, rats are cute. I mean, you know. Like pet Until they're fucking cute. hissing at you or burrowing through your goddamn insulation of your house. Yeah, <laughs> or through your, through your chest, through an iron box. Yeah. Hey, that one too. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's so many interesting... Or eating you alive. Yeah, or eating you alive. Um, but there's so many interesting theories and studies that point to trauma, anxiety, and the physiological effects effects they have when we do not enter or withdraw from REM sleep properly. So those are kind of my takeaways from those. Um, but the jury's still out, yeah. you know, as we learn more about the mind and stuff. But what is interesting is how the cultural beliefs become intertwined with medical and neurological phenomena. Um, some might mm-hmm. even suggest that beliefs in the supernatural or the spiritual could influence sleep paralysis, you know, like when it happens, who it happens to, and what happens when we experience it. So, you know, the science kind of seems to fall flat in the face of strong belief in the unexplained shared experiences. But some could say that the supernatural and scientific are not mutually exclusive. Um, They might actually be connected in this case. As that quote from Arthur C. Clarke would suggest, the supernatural and magic are just science we don't understand yet. Yeah. And that's my takeaway. Yeah. No, that's... We'll never get these noodles, man. Well, Mm -hmm. we won't know in our lifetime. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, people have these really strong beliefs in what it is. But, like, it brings up more questions than answers, right? It's like, okay, yeah. so if we're talking about that, what's the nature of the soul? What's the afterlife? What are dimensions and realities? Like, what is the reality, the true reality that we perceive? Or is there some underlying, yeah, right. I don't know. Like, is it? Are and you... is your, 
Yeah. Yeah, underlying Man. worlds, underlying realities, you know, like are ghosts me and james were just yeah no me and james were just talking about that too like another thing where someone's in a coma or they have alzheimer's or dementia that that person is still somewhere in there down to the core and they're just like either in limbo or waiting for it to end Uh, or come mm -hmm. to or whatever you know it's just yeah mm -hmm. that's crazy and then like what is that person down there? Is that a chemical thing somewhere? Is that like electric or is that, you know, a soul kind of thing? It's yeah. it's just very fascinating in that way. Yeah, I totally agree, man. It's Yeah. It's 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 crazy like when you start talking about it and you really start digging into like what you think it is, it just becomes this floodgate of other things, you know, cuz then you yeah. can talk about aliens alien abductions you know and it's just like it it just can get you i mean great conversation starter yeah you know, like no kidding you yes. could talk you could talk yes. for hours about the nature of like sleep reality nightmares and like sleep paralysis what causes it like what are the factors that we think about it right. um it's just yeah an endless wormhole of different things can be attributed to it cats up or ketchup i mean it's just like what is it you know? <laughs> what is it man it's just, you know, what is it, man? Fucking, I'm, I'm gonna find it out, man. Yeah, like <laughs> so, yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, I just wanted to say one last thing about it because, um, you know, it's, it's been something that's been a part of my life since I was a kid, and you know, it seems yeah. that fear is really what makes this pho- phenomenon so powerful to the people who've experienced it, at least. And through all the experiences I've had, um, I began at first thinking that I was experiencing a series of hauntings. I thought there was a ghost in my room. I did not know what to think about it. Absolutely. I thought it was ghosts, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, A lot lot of people would agree with you. Right. And still. um, And I've spoken to other people who they still believe that's the case, you know, even though... You know, I'm like, oh, well, I've had that kind of thing happen, too, but it was sleep paralysis. And, you know, it's a, it's a really hard argument to make, especially when something so significant has happened to them and they believe it to be like a paranormal experience, which, you know, mm-hmm. that's I, I can understand that completely. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. But it was only when I started sharing my experiences with friends and family that I started to realize that there had to be an explanation there are just too many things in common across everyone's experiences to believe that we were all being haunted. And then that's when I started to do the research and was really relieved when I found out what was happening. And now I'm even to the point where I like know it's happening to me when it's going on. Like I can either fall back asleep or shake my foot to wake myself up. And I, oh, girl. I don't get too scared anymore. I mean, sometimes I have that fear, but typically I I know when it's happening. So it's 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 important to, like, kind of educate yourself and learn the cues if it happens to you a lot. Um, but, you know, I hope that sharing this experience with all of our listeners could potentially help you or someone you love who is suffering from this to maybe understand it a little bit better. I mean, even though we don't... Um, you know, there are ways to to help yourself if you find yourself in right. like an episode. I guess so. it's, 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 hey. it's, it's the idea that you're you're not alone. 
Yeah, you know, exactly. There, there are, oh, yeah. there are, commu- thank, thank you to the internet, you know, there are now communities and, and like, you know, places that you can go to talk about it and like, you know, just, yeah, I mean, just, just know that you are not alone and right. you're not going crazy. Yeah. How often, how often do you have it still, Heather? Um, so I had one just two weeks ago, but. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, it's probably a couple times a year. You know, at least. Yeah. Do you find they've yeah. gotten milder or are they kind of have they been kind of consistent through the years? Um, It just it depends from time to time. Like I remember, you know, when I saw the demon in the corner with the red eyes, I laughed at him, you know, in my head. <laughs> you fake bitch. You're like, <laughs> I was you're like, like, I shouldn't have had that shepherd's pie. I was like, this you is are ridiculous. You a fake ass <laughs> yeah. bitch. I ain't got time for you. And I, w- I fell back asleep. But, you know, the time that I heard... Your mom's a hoe. <laughs> you know, a time like about a year ago when I heard all those children screaming downstairs. Um, yeah, that's uh, what I fucking... I woke up. I was very scared after that. Yeah. Yeah, that's for a, sure. That's, that's a fucking scary one. <laughs> See, yeah. I, I only have it like once or twice a year, too. And, and for me, it's so seldom that I'm just like, oh, it's just a little fear fun. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> That sucked. <laughs> Buckle yeah. up, buckaroos. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it gets you worse than others, and I've certainly, like, texted Kale and be like, can you please just come back up and, like, lay with me until I fall asleep? Just Sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Some of them are so, so very unsettling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's not even to mention just simply having really fucking intense nightmares, you know, like yes. we do. Yeah, Which just, I like, normal too bad nightmares yeah mm-hmm. yeah all the time i just had one last night it's awful tidal yeah. waves blood all that stuff it was just yeah terrible. tidal waves of blood hell yeah <laughs> hey fucking slayer starts playing Rain of blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's well, all i got um, to say about that yeah yeah so that's, i think it's a, we've said all we could about it um yeah and if anybody i mean if anybody has experiences and they want to share them, I mean, please email us at uh, under the pendulum podcast yeah. at gmail.com. I and mean, we would just like to maybe even we'll do like a bonus episode of some of your stories. We For would, sure. I mean, yeah. We would Lord absolutely knows. love to hear them. So, yeah, I'm sure us. me and Heather hadn't even like touched upon all of the no. scenarios that we yeah. have seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Please, if you have any, uh, share with us. We'd, uh, I, I, would, I would actually like to do like a little short episode of just reading people's stories. stories. Yeah, I would yeah. too. It'd be, be really great. fun. Yeah. It'd be really fun. And especially if we know you, we'll fucking tear you a new asshole and make fun of you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we won't. Or, we won't. or we won't say your <laughs> we'll name you... <laughs> if you don't want us to. Or we'll, we'll wear a silly hat and fake teeth and stuff and pretend that you're a yokel. I'm just kidding. No, we won't. <laughs> 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 it will be nice. Yeah, Of course, it will be nice. We understand it sucks. So, um, Yeah. Well. You can find us on Facebook at Under the Pendulum Podcast, Instagram at Under Pendulum Podcast, uh, at Twitter at Pendulum underscore pod. And you can find all our episodes on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Podbean, Good Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right. You can find me, Heather, on Facebook under Heather Thomas, Instagram h.n.thomas, Twitter at Heather W. Thomas, and I do frequent narrations on creepy tales to terrify and chilling tales for dark nights. And, you know, maybe slap us a five-star review 
while you're at it, you know, head yes, on over please, to Apple Podcasts. Yeah. That would be really yeah. helpful for us. Yeah, please. Yeah. I mean, like uh, we could, yes. you know, I, you know, on Instagram or Facebook, you know, um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. Like, so if you ever yeah. want to like tell us how we fucked up or tell us that you're stupid and we're wrong or like want to talk about something, please like mm-hmm. engage with mm-hmm. us. We would love to like talk to you guys. Um, yeah. So don't be, don't be scared. Yeah. Yes. Or how we enriched your life in some way. <laughs> or if you want to send me death threats, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Christopher Weber. <laughs> and you can bake me a cake and write your complaint on the cake if you would. Um, thank you. <laughs> but you can find me on in on Instagram at Frothy Stardog and on Facebook Kate Weber. Beautiful. Well, thank you for joining us, and uh, we know this was a uh, pretty pretty heavy episode. Um, but you know, again, just know that you are not alone out there if you are suffering from sleep paralysis. Right. And Absolutely. Please reach yeah. out to us or reach out to like another community to share your stories, and you know, maybe see what other people have done to try to get and, over it. In or all seriousness, yeah, definitely. And like, I I believe I've had ghost experiences. I believe I have sleep paralysis. I believe all these things. And I don't tell my story very often to a lot of people because it's met with such criticism sometimes. And people are downright nasty if you disrupt their belief system or if they believe that you're ignorant or lying in some way. There's a real, there's a real stigma, you know, like, and it's, it, it, it really, it can be hurtful and it sucks. And we, we totally understand that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, You are in a space and talking to people that totally accommodate that and understand. So please, again, feel free to to reach out if you'd like. Yeah, absolutely. And if you do want to reach out again, um, it's under the pendulum podcast at gmail.com. Well, thank you for listening and we will Mm -hmm. see you next time. Sweet dreams. Love your guts. (laughs) Sweet dreams. (laughs) Dream weaver. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>